Hello everyone, welcome to In Conversation with me, Lisa Burke, and today it's the final of my mini-series on housing in Luxembourg. My guest today is Mike Matthias from the Ministry of Housing. Mike is one of two advisors, Premier Conseil to Minister Henri Cox, who is the Minister for Housing in Luxembourg. And I thought it would be a good way to end this series by asking the decision makers to talk to us through the complex jigsaw that is housing, a horizontal topic that touches many ministries. So, Mike, welcome to RTL Today. As I just mentioned in that brief introduction, we know that housing, from the conversations we've had over the last few weeks, is very complex. It goes through so many different sectors. It crosses the Ministry of Interior, Transport Policies, Communes and Tax. So in this whole picture, where does the Ministry of Housing fit and what are your main focus points? Well, the Ministry of Housing is mainly in charge of developing public affordable housing. What comes to local development is mainly the Ministry of Interior. And the other topic that we also have to deal with is all the regulation on renting. We did talk to Jacques van Dievenit from Front de Logement just a couple <coughs> of weeks ago, and he spoke about the Pacte de Logement, the affordable housing. Of course, that is all linked to the pricing currently in Luxembourg. So as the Ministry of Housing, do you have no say at all on the house prices in Luxembourg? No, we have no immediate say at all on house pricing except for the public housing. That's, I think, one of the, the major problems when we talk about the housing crisis everywhere in, in Europe or perhaps everywhere in the world, that on the one side we say, well, decent housing is a human right, but on the other side, all the resources that we need to put in place this affordable housing is mainly dealt on private markets. And the, the most important part of that is the ground to build new housing. And, and that is the topic where we do not have an immediate input or access to it, let's say. And that makes it so difficult to have an influence on house pricing in Luxembourg. Because the ground is so expensive here in Luxembourg. The, the ground is so expensive in Luxembourg, there is very few regulations on evolution of prices. And I think there have also been some mistakes in the 20th century already that uh, strike back today. Would you mind talking about what you view as those errors that you're trying to fix now in the Ministry of Housing? What do you think could have been done differently that you're having to change now? <clears throat> well, I think when you look at housing, you can take two different perspectives, specifically when you look at what explains the price rise on housing. And the one perspective is that of the investment market. That is the way you see house prices as being a market where people try to invest. Mm -hmm. And if I'm buying a house or an apartment to live in for myself, that's also an investment. And I say, okay, I will buy today in that sense that I do not have to pay any rent anymore. The only rent that I have to pay is the interest rate for the money that I borrow to get it financed, let's say. And I will profit of all the rise in prices. And this has a huge impact on price rise, not only in Luxembourg. And this has to do with the low interest rates that we have and the abundance of capital as such, specifically in COVID times, but also before. So this is one part of the problems. And there the, the Ministry of Housing has no impact. And then you have the other side, and that's the side where we say, well, people have to live somewhere, and it's one of the human rights. People need decent housing. And then we have to specifically look at those people in Luxembourg who 
cannot afford renting or buying houses because their income is not high enough. And we see in the last 10, 20, 30 years that the rise of ground prices and the rise of housing prices, apartment prices, was very much faster than the rise of income. And so you have in the bottom level, let's say, of the lowest 20, 25, 30% of the population of the lowest income categories of population, do you have more and more difficulties to get an affordable housing and to have a decent housing. This is the major topic of our work. It's to make it possible to develop alternatives for these categories of people. And that we are doing through developing public affordable housing that will stay affordable today and tomorrow. You mentioned a figure there which is actually very high. You said the bottom 25 to 30 percent of earners, which is still a huge figure. The other issue with this is, can you build at a rate which can supply enough, quick enough? No. The clear answer to that in Luxembourg, at least, is uh, no, because we have a fast rising population. And as you know, we have half of the active population are commuters. So people living in France, Belgium and Germany and uh, traveling every day to Luxembourg to work here. If you compare that to other big towns in Europe, you have the same phenomenon that people come from 40, 50 kilometers outside of the town to to work. But the difference is that in Luxembourg you have to go over a frontier. And a lot of people who are coming from France or Belgium or Germany would prefer to live in Luxembourg because uh, the traffic jam could be avoided. And we know that quality of, of living is massively improved if you stay a shorter time in traffic jams. <laughs> Everybody yeah, can understand. Of course. So that means that if we are talking in figures, we have a population rise every year for about 10,000 people, let's say. But we also have 200,000 people outside of Luxembourg who potentially could be interested. I don't want to say that they are all interested, but a lot of them could be interested to come and to live in Luxembourg, specifically those who do not have kids. If you have kids and you are French, perhaps you, you prefer to stay in France and to give your kids in a French school and not to, not to come to Luxembourg with its very complicated language system and so on. In any case, it will be very difficult in Luxembourg to build as much as would be needed to offer affordable housing, let's say, to all these people. So what we have to concentrate on is, again, this 20-25% of the population with the lowest incomes. I would even put it to you, and I'm sure you're aware anyhow, that people beyond that 25% also struggle because it is just a very expensive country, not just city, country to live in, either buying or renting. Mm -hmm. That is correct, but I think it's very important that we have in mind that housing is a very it's a question of a personal choice. Yes, I would like to live in a very green area, to have a, a very big house and to have a, a large garden and to have the place for, I don't know, for chickens or horses, swimming pool or <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and then I come to Luxembourg because the incomes in Luxembourg are quite high. But the other side is also that housing is very high. And this is a phenomenon that you have everywhere where incomes are high, housing prices are high too. And so if people say that I can't find something affordable in Luxembourg, I have to go to Germany or to France to live in, we also have to question, well, what do these people want to live in? And are the expectations not in a way that they say, well, I well, I will exaggerate, I, I want to live in a small castle and I can't find an affordable small castle in Luxembourg, so I go looking in Germany. 
Isn't well, I, I think it's more the fact that even a small apartment here could cost about 800,000 euros. Yes. Uh, uh, that's not even an exaggeration. <laughs> it could easily cost yeah, that. But you also get a small apartment, not in, in Luxembourg City, but in Grevelmacher or in Mersch or in Dikirch, where the prices are much more affordable than in city in Luxembourg City. A little bit more affordable. So, and that, <laughs> they that still is, hover yeah, around the is, one million. Then the question of the choice. So the, the, the example of the castle was exaggerated. Yeah. True, but yeah. the point is that if you are, let's say, a teacher with the, the Luxembourgish medium income, it should be not a problem to find something also in Luxembourg. But you have to adapt. And you know that you can get more if you go outside of the country. Yeah. But that is yeah. the same if you if you are living in Frankfurt. If you are living in Frankfurt and you want to have a big house with a lot of surroundings, well then also you have to go outside of Frankfurt. You can't find that in the city or mm -hmm. near the city center. That is true. It's just generally in other cities the range of pricing is a little bit more pronounced. <laughs> Our range across Luxembourg is is not as wide as in other cities. I've done the comparison. Don't worry. <laughs> Coming back to the other part of your work, you mentioned the rental market. So do you think that landlords have more rights than the tenants in Luxembourg? I would say no. I have not the impression that landlords are so much more powerful than renters. But you have to differentiate if it's it's coming the right of a renter when it's in the apartment, let's say, because it's mainly apartments. Well, I think then they are quite well protected. The point is, again, the price and the price limit of the rent. When you see all the discussions that you have, for example, in Germany with the, the stop. Of the cap. The, the cap of, of rents and the Mietspiegel, so the, the comparison of, of rents in, in different cities. That's clearly something that we don't have in Luxembourg. Do you uh, think we should? It would be fine to have it, but the point is that we have a completely different situation in Luxembourg if you compare it to the bigger cities in Germany. First of all, in, in big cities in Germany, 70 to 80 percent of apartments are for rent. They are not occupied by the owners, mm -hmm. they are occupied by renters. So that means that you have a huge market of rents and you have a huge market in absolute figures of apartments per city if you take uh, Berlin or Hamburg or all these kind of cities. And the topic in Luxembourg is that it will be very difficult to establish a review of the rents that would be sensitive to the geographical area where this apartment is in, but also to the qualities, let's say, of the apartments. How many square meters, how many bathrooms, what is the energy standard, is it uh, with carport, without carport, and what is the surroundings, and all this kind of stuff. So if you are looking at the famous Mietspiegel in Germany, in the bigger cities, you will see that you have to answer 20 questions before you get a comparable price, where they say, well, for this type of apartment, the referent price will be X. The point is that in Luxembourg it's very, let's say it will be very difficult to establish that kind of norm because the market is not big enough. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look for other solutions in, in that respect. Other solutions. Okay, we'll wait for these other solutions, whatever they may be, whenever they might. Well, we, the ministry made a proposal that has been submitted to the parliament, a projet de loi, to reform the, the law of, of 2006 in that respect, but it's not very easy and the discussions will start now and we will see what will be the outcome of that.
Well, when there is an outcome, come and tell us and we'll, we'll have you on again to talk us through the outcome. When it comes to people who house share, what do they have to consider? The very central point is for the moment we have a difficulties, let's say, that local authorities have to accept to register them on the register of physical persons. And that's one of the conditions to live officially in Luxembourg and to have access to the employment market and all that kind of stuff. And that is one of the points of the discussion. And it's also linked to the rise of prices because very often people who rent specifically housing but also apartments know that it will be very difficult for a family, classical family, let's say with, with two income, two kids, to finance the rent under the limit of the limit of the law that we have today, which is 5% of the invested capital. So what they do, they prefer to rent rooms separately and, and they hope that by splitting the, the, the house or the apartment to get more money. That changes then the aspects of quartiers, let's say. And then local administrations sometimes prefer not to have this kind of, of thing because they say, well, that creates problems with parking. So it makes it even more difficult for families to find something affordable and so on and so on. We also need to clarify the rights of people to rent their house under the form of rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, multiple occupancy, we would yes, say. Yes, multiple occupancy. And then to say, well, then the people also have the right to register on, on the local Mm -hmm. Actually, coming to the communes, they do have a, a lot of authority. For instance, we spoke in this series about the fact that it's up to the communes if they tax the free land. Mm -hmm. But often the land is, of course, owned by local Luxembourgish people uh, who are the voters. And so it's not perhaps in the people voted into the commune to, to want to put that tax in place. And so we have a situation where a lot of land is left, even housing is left empty sometimes. What ministry does this come under? Well, it's a mix up. So, and it's quite a difficult topic. Let's start with the non-occupied housing and then we go further to, to the, the land. land. <laughs> to the land. <laughs> For the non-occupied housing, um, the local authorities have the possibility to tax them. But the problem is, you are right, it will be a local decision. And that's politically quite complicated. So it would be better if it would be a national tax that perhaps the local authorities have to implement. If they would be forced to implement it, it would be much easier. But unfortunately today, local authorities can, but they are not obliged. And the other problem is that the identification of non-occupied housing. We lack information on national level, but also on specifically on, on local level, because we do not have a register of housing. Ah. We do not have, yes, we do not have a register of dwellings. What we have, we have the register of, of the plots. Uh, we have the so-called cadastre vertical, but no, it's not complete. And this register, which is incomplete, is not used as a basis for local authorities to say, well, if somebody, somebody wants to register in my commune, I register him in a specific dwelling and not only on a postal address. So for the moment, only those local authorities who invested a lot of time and money in identifying the dwellings in their local area and decided to register people in these dwellings and not on an address know exactly uh, which dwelling is not non-occupied and which is not. And, but 
uh, I think we have four or five probably local authorities uh, who have gone so far. So that is the first point. How to identify non-occupied dwellings. We think that the best way would be to establish a, regi a national register on dwellings and then to force local authorities to register people in these dwellings in order to know uh, a dwelling that is non-occupied. So that is uh, the, the, the point uh, for the unoccupied housing. But then the, the question is, as we do not have the, the data today, we cannot say how many dwellings are not occupied. And that is a big problem because people see housing that are empty, mm -hmm. see apartments that am, are empty. And it, this is a problem if they are empty for a long time. Let's say if they are empty for more than six months. A real estate market always needs to have empty dwellings. If you are looking for a house to rent or to buy, well, it must be empty. And so economists say that you need at least six to seven percent of empty dwellings in order to have a real estate market that uh, is fluid, as they say. So we need empty housing. So the point is that we need better data and we need clear rules to say, well, this is not justified empty dwelling and this is a justified empty dwelling. So if you are looking for a renter and you have six months to look for a renter. And it also puts a pressure on possible investors in the buy-to-let market who may have bought a place just for it to go up in value mm -hmm. in capital gains yes. and left it empty because they didn't want anybody to mess it up. Yeah. So it changes things there. And what about the land then? Well, by the land you have to we have to differentiate because we have two types of land that are not, not occupied or not built, let's say. Well, first of all, in Luxembourg, you have what uh, what we call the PRG. So that means the local zoning of the land of a commune, which defines where you can build and where you can't build and what type of buildings you can build on the plots that are identified. And we've ascertained that this comes under the Ministry of Interior. That comes Yain. So the, 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 <laughs> the, the general rule is a competence of the Ministry of Interior, but it's the local authorities who decide themselves in a very complicated process with participation of the population to say, well, the development of our local, our locality will be in that area we want to have a so-called hub one zone and there we want to have a hub two zone and there we want to have mixed use zone and so on and so on. And that has to be adopted, accepted, let's say, by the Ministry of Interior. That is correct. But it's at the end, it's the decision of the local authorities. And the point is that we have two types. We have the, the plots where you can build immediately. So these are the plots where yeah, the, comp the infrastructure is there. You have the roads, you have the, the networks for water, water for used water. Yeah, or like and electricity, etc. The only thing that you need is the permit to build a house. Mm -hmm. That makes more or less uh, one third of the potential areas where we could develop housing, and two thirds are the areas that are not developed yet. So where where you need to uh, establish what you call a PIP, so a particular program on how to develop that, and then you need to develop the infrastructure. And the point is that in the past, and that's one of the mistakes, as I said before, of the 20th century, it, it was admitted that local authorities could declare a lot of zones as developing zones for housing, but without putting any kind of obligation until when the owners would be obliged to develop that. Because giving 
some owners of a green land, the right to develop rises up the price and the value of that. And that's, that's really a fact of speculation. And that is an added value that you give to that land. But you also have then to put on the obligation to say, okay, you have seven years to develop that area. Otherwise, we take it back and it will stay as a green land and you will not be able to speculate on the rise of prices uh, mm -hmm. on, 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 on the land. And that is introduced now. That, so there is also a, a project de loi, a, pro, a project of, of regulation introduced by the Ministry of Interiors, and that is also in discussion. And well, we hope that that will come, and that all the, the future development will be, the obligation to, to develop and to build will be inherent to the zoning. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Again, so whether it's a, an apartment or a house left empty or a plot of land with a pair pay, as you say, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it really does seem to be in the past, the great benefit to the owner mm -hmm. as an investment sitting there. But now hopefully some of these new policies will change this. But, you, but, but we have to tax these areas also in a different way. So the non-occupied dwellings have to be taxed and the non-developed areas also should be taxed. But as the Minister of Interior said, we first need to reform what we call the, the land tax, the general land tax, because on the general land tax, we then we will put the what we call the speculation tax, so the, the, the tax on non-occupied lands. May it be developed or not developed. Hopefully they can get this through uh, at a rapid pace. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when it comes to state aid, first-time buyers get €20,000 support against the various fees accruing when you buy a property. Some people have asked whether that should go up because it hasn't gone up. Well, I think it's much more than 20. So it's, it's depending on what we are talking about. So the, the state aid, let's say what we call the individual state aid for people who buy a their, first time, the first time. Also the second time if they sell the first housing. So it, you can be owner, but then you have to sell so your first house that you have. It's about 20,000 euro in best cases, let's say, and that it's depending on the level of income people have. If you have a lot of income, well, you're anyway, you're excluded. But on the other hand, you also have some other tax aid on added value tax uh, on uh, the abolition act, the so-called abolition act, that means the registry, of the, the cadaster uh, registry. Uh, so there are a lot of other tax advantages that people get to buy dwellings, houses, and uh, and they're much more than 20,000 euro. Well, it depends. You, you're talking about um, TVA, for instance, if you buy yeah. a new build compared to uh, Older. Yeah. an older yeah. property. Yes, there is a big difference between 3% and, and 17%, 17%, which is yeah. a quite large percentage there. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to wait for the place to be built. Yes, Then and also and that that means also that uh, it's only for new buildings, so for something that is sent, sold the first time, let's say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But so there is a lot of of money of of tax advantages that are put in real estate market in Luxembourg, and the question if is if this is very useful because as I said before, you can have two perspectives on the rise of of uh, markets. Uh, house prices in Luxembourg, and one of the perspective is that of the of the capital market and the capacity of people to finance the prices. And the prices are as going as high as people are 
uh, capable to finance them. And if we give a lot of state aid, that means that prices will rise. So there is an impact on prices if we rise state aid in that respect. And we ha you have a lot of reports of the OECD and so on who regularly tackle Luxembourg for saying you are too generous in that respect. And uh, Well, they've also written to say that uh, Luxembourg really needs to tackle its housing issues. Yes, yes. <laughs> but then go to the details. And, <laughs> and one of the points is this. And one of the points is that we have to, to, to check our tax regime on, on that respect. Stop helping people and they'll buy more. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not stop, stop helping people. But the point is... What has a positive impact on prices and what has a negative impact? Is the aid that you give, is it really directed to those who need it? Is it efficient? And is the state doing enough to develop public affordable housing? And that I think that is the major point. So if you look at the figures, what they call in Luxembourg is the, or French, the dépense fiscale, it's more much more so so these are state aids indirect state aids let's say giving to to people on the real estate market which is much more than the the budget uh, the the budget of the ministry of Log of, of housing uh, And so if we want to develop public affordable housing, we have to put much more money into that. Ah, that so potentially take that back and give it to your ministry. That might uh, work. <laughs> <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> uh, well, if we decide, and that is a decision that has been done already by the last government, and that is a policy today to invest in public affordable housing, then we have also to think on how to finance that. Mm -hmm. And we have to have a critical evaluation of all the costs that we have on the other side so that does not mean that that will be stopped i don't think so but that's uh, it's not going to be going up by the sounds of it yes. <laughs> as your first question was yeah. to say should we not rise up the individual state aid what we are doing now we are also working on a reform on what we call the individual state aid socially let's say directed state aid. so it's linked to the level of income to people and again those with the lower 30 percent or the lower 50 percent people's income will be supported but not Not everybody. everybody. Not mm -hmm. everybody. It sounds as though there's a lot of thinking, a lot of work going on in all of the ministries together to try to tackle this housing issue. No doubt it will take a few years for mm -hmm. anything to come to pass, maybe even a few decades. In fact, it, <laughs> it takes a while to, to build enough housing, etc. So... How has the process been for you from the inside? And do you get uh, frustrated when you see all of these news reports uh, talking about the problems with housing in Luxembourg? No, as long as they are correct and they are based on, let's say, scientific research, that is the reality that we are living in, that, that we have to deal with it. But on the other side, I see also all the efforts we have done in the, in the last years, the reform of the Fonds du Logement that has been introduced five years ago and the, the development that is taking place at the level of the Fonds du Logement, but also on the level of the Société Nationale des Habitations en Bon Marché, which is the mm -hmm. second biggest public developer. The point that we have introduced the uh, so-called Fonds Spécial, which allows the Ministry of Housing to better organize its budget for the other big state aid, which is the state aid to develop public housing. Two projects that have been voted, one is Elmen, the other one is Vils. There will be three others probably this year that will come. So I think the effort that is done in that respect by the whole government, but specifically by the Ministry of Housing, which is in charge of developing public affordable housing, I think is huge. But we have to continue. 
And we also have to look at the private renting market and to improve also the protection of the renters against exaggerated rents. Mm -hmm. With all of the movement through all of the ministries together to try to help the housing market in Luxembourg, do you think there will be a slowing down or even a decrease in house pricing in Luxembourg? That I think as long as we have so much money, so much capital on the market that is desperately trying to look for something that is a successful investment, prices risk to rise. For 70% of the people, this is good news. Because 70% of people in Luxembourg are homeowners. Are homeowners. They are living in their home. They are, they are owner. And most likely they will also be the voters. Uh, well, there are only 50% of people in Luxembourg who are voters, so it's even much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> But that, yes, it's, it's correct. So they are voters and they are owners. The problem is we have to keep in mind that pe younger people, people coming to Luxembourg, they need to have access to a way of financing their own housing, may it be by rent, may it be by ownership, that is affordable to their income level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation. It's been rather a long conversation as well. So I give you the final word to sum up. How would you put together the whole housing issue in Luxembourg? Are you excited to be working for the Ministry of Housing? Yes. And <laughs> it's definitely one where you won't be underworked. <laughs> That's for sure. And what message would you like to give our audiences? I think that the housing situation in Luxembourg is one of the major challenges for social cohesion of the country. We cannot accept that, let's say, one third of the population will be excluded of affordable housing, may it be public or private. It's not only a question of being competitive as a country, being attractive as a country for expats. It's also a very fundamental point of social cohesion. We have to put into our constitution, and that is one of the decisions that has been taken by the parliament, the right to decent housing. And if we are putting the responsibility to the government, to public affairs, of realizing the right to decent housing, we also have to give the means to this government and to the public administration. Mm -hmm. And one of the major progress that we made is by the Pact Logement that was voted last week. For all the new plots that will be developed in the coming years, 10, 15 or 20 percent of the square meter, let's say, will be developed as public affordable housing. We make this, I think, fascinating <laughs> decision to say, well, on the one side, private developers that are working on these plots, well, they will get a rise of 10% to their building rights, so they can build 10% more. But on the other side, they give to public administration, made local or national, 10, 15 or 20% of the grounds without getting money for it. So it's a compensation by more building rights. And so we have a better use of building plots and we get much more public affordable housing. And I think this is really the solution that we have to implement to give an answer to the 20-30% of people who have problems on the housing markets. Well, we wish you luck with the challenges, as you put it, ahead. And they are indeed challenges. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. in and uh, talking us through this very, very complex scenario here in Luxembourg. Thank you. Wonderful. I just uh, stopped the recording here. We got through a lot of information. <laughs>
lots, lots, lots. I just need to uh, pause the recording here. There we go.